This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 74. I'm Jim Garrity. Today's topic, can you read the entirety of an adverse party's deposition at trial, even when the deponents are available to testify live? All right, so here's today's question for you. The federal rule on the use of depositions at trial and the many state court rules that are patterned after it specifically say that an adverse party may use for any purpose the deposition of a party or anyone who, when deposed, was the party's officer, director, managing agent, or designee. The federal rule is uh, Rule 32A3, and as you've heard me say many times, a supermajority of states have also adopted the federal rules in whole or in part or have based the content of their rules on what the federal court rules say. So the language is very broad. You may use the deposition of an adverse party for any purpose at trial. Now, let's suppose that your depositions of the adverse party's witnesses went exceedingly well. You asked all the right questions and got all the right answers. Since those perfect examinations are not likely to happen again live at trial, can you just read the entirety of those depositions to the jury, whether by transcript or by video recorded deposition, even if the deponents are in fact available for live testimony at trial? So it seems like the perfect setup. You've got spectacular testimony start to finish from your depositions, and you're just going to repeat the bulk of the examination anyway if you call those witnesses live, except that if you call them live, you know that they're going to give Weasley answers and try to worm their way out of the answers they gave you at deposition. And even better than your perfect examinations and depositions, your plan seems to be expressly authorized by the rule. It says it right there, an adverse party may use for any purpose the deposition of their opponent. Now. Maybe as you're listening to this podcast, you actually have a trial coming up in a few days. So you're sitting there in your jammies and you're supremely relaxed because you've read the rule that says you can use the adversary's depositions for any purpose and you actually do plan to use that stack of deposition transcripts on your desk in lieu of calling live witnesses. Your thinking is you're just going to put your paralegals on the stand and have them read the testimony to the jury. Boom, has there ever been an easier trial? All the amazing time you've saved by not having to prepare live examinations. Well, what does our research tell us you should do at this point? It tells us, unfortunately, that you should stay in your jammies, work up your best COVID voice, and see if you can persuade the judge to continue your trial so you can actually be prepared because courts have consistently said no. Even though the rule says you can use those depositions for any purpose at trial, judges have consistently refused to allow lawyers to simply read the entirety of an opponent's deposition testimony when the same witnesses are available and can be presented live. Now, there's one exception to this and I'll talk about that in a bit. The court's reasoning varies somewhat from case to case, but the basic principle is the same. It's just better to have folks testify live so that the judge and the jury can observe them and assess their testimony and credibility. 
For example, in the Gonzalez case in the show notes, a 2015 federal court decision out of Michigan, uh, the judge said the following, the rules say that depositions may be used for any purpose, but nothing indicates that they may be used, quote, at any time or, quote, in any manner as a party sees fit. And the court put those uh, phrases in quotes in the opinion. The court continued to say that to permit such a course would undermine the general preference for live testimony and the importance of live cross-examination. In the Stansbury case out of Kentucky in 2018, and again, full sites and some parentheticals uh, for each of these cases is listed in the show notes, uh, the Stansbury court, quoting pieces of the Gonzalez decision I just talked about, agreed with the reasoning in Gonzalez and granted the defendant's motion in limine forbidding the plaintiff from reading the entirety of the deposition of the defendant's corporate president as a substitute for live testimony if the witness was going to be present and available to testify at trial. Now remember the issue in today's episode is whether the parties are allowed to use the entirety of a deposition transcript when the deponent is available live. So today's episode really isn't about whether they can use pieces of the deposition for impeachment purposes, obviously. This is just about whether the entirety of the transcript uh, is going to be allowed to be used. Other judges have said the same thing. We've got the 2019 Atlas trucking case in the show notes with the judge, again, rejecting the reading of the entirety of a deposition of a corporate representative, uh, saying as follows, quote, here the witness is available and will be testifying at trial. The defendants will have the opportunity to ask the witness the precise questions that they asked him at his deposition. And if the answers differ, the defendants can use the deposition for impeachment purposes. Because live testimony will allow the court to assess the witness's credibility, in addition to the defendant's questions, it's the preferred manner of eliciting his testimony. The court went on to say that the probative value of the entire deposition transcript was simply outweighed by the risk of undue delay, wasted time, and the duplication of evidence, presuming that the witness, uh, the deponent, was going to testify live anyway. Now, this rule of forbidding parties from reading the entirety of a deposition transcript into evidence of an opponent appears to have been consistently followed and applied for decades. The most recent decision we found in a case called Short versus Marvin Keller Trucking was issued just 11 days ago on November 18, 2021, by a Kentucky federal judge who added a few other thoughts. That judge said that using the adverse party's depositions when those very same witnesses are present in the courtroom might be confusing for the jury. The court said it was concerned that the jury will speculate as to why witnesses who are sitting in that very courtroom aren't testifying. And the jury may wonder if they should give some special emphasis to the transcribed testimony as opposed to the later live testimony. So the court kind of wraps it up by saying, look, confusion, prejudice, and inefficiencies will abound. And although Rule 32 would permit the request, I'm not required to honor it. So the court will require that if the plaintiffs seek to introduce testimonial evidence from those witnesses during their case in chief, they've got to call them live. So here's my question for you. Do you agree with that analysis? 
do you think the jury would actually be confused about what's going on? Do you think the jury would be sitting there thinking, why are these witnesses sitting here while we listen to their prior testimony? It seems to me like the jury could be given a very simple instruction to the effect that witnesses sometimes testify in proceedings before trial, and you are now going to hear the questions that were previously asked, as well as the answers that were previously given. And then the jury could be told, I also anticipate that so-and-so will be called live to the stand and you will hear additional testimony during the course of this trial. So I'm not entirely sure I buy that rationale, but it seemed like the court was simply expressing a slightly different justification to reach the same conclusion as most other courts, which is that live testimony is kind of the lifeblood of a trial in our system of justice. And that seems to make sense. If we could get to the same results with a stack of transcripts, I suppose a jury could do what judges do on summary judgment, which is to simply review all the transcripts and all the documents and then render a verdict based on the paper submissions. But that's not how we get to a result. And so I think all we are really seeing is an effort by the judges to preserve live testimony as the critical centerpiece of our judicial system. All right, as I mentioned, uh, this appears to have been the approach taken by judges for decades and decades. In our research for this episode, we actually found cases going back 50 or more years, reaching the same conclusion and literally using the same rationales. The Kellogg case in the show notes from the Supreme Court of Washington on Bonk uh, in 1955 says very nearly the same thing as the Marvin trucking case issued 11 days ago, a full 66 years after Kellogg was issued. Now, before we wrap up, I mentioned that there appears to be one exception to this notion that courts are not going to allow parties to read the entirety of deposition transcripts to a jury. And that one exception appears to be where the deposition is of a corporate representative or designated representative under Rule 30b-6. In that situation alone, because the designee is literally speaking as the voice of the entity, and because the entity itself obviously can't be called live at trial, courts that have addressed this issue appear inclined to allow the entirety of a corporate representative deposition to be read to the jury. In essence saying, you're now going to hear from the entity itself. Check out the estate of Thompson case in the show notes, uh, which is a 2013 federal court decision from Iowa. And by the way, the 35 page decision in estate of Thompson is an outstanding primer on the admissibility of 30B6 testimony at trial. It's well worth taking a look at the decision and pouring through it if you frequently take or defend corporate representative depositions. All right, so that's it for today. This issue perfectly demonstrates why it's critical for you to not only understand the language of the rules, but how courts apply them. If we just read this rule, we would literally be confident and justifiably so about taking a stack of deposition transcripts in, or at least several of them, and having them read word for word in their entirety to a jury. And the cases on this point also show us how courts will exercise their discretion over what happens in their courtrooms, even when the express language of a rule appears to grant parties 
clear and far broader rights than the judges are allowing. All right, that's it for today. As always, thank you so much for listening. And again, if you'd like to say thanks to us for this podcast and the information and research we provide, please do leave us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. It's a tremendous thumbs up to our production staff, and it's always deeply appreciated. I'll talk to you soon.